This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. We are always sharing some strategies, some tips, um, you know, uh, landmines to avoid things that... um, we want to help set you up for success. And whether you're just starting out or you're a more established PR pro or have your own business for a while, there's always something to learn, always. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, always something to learn. I learn stuff every single day and as I'm running my own agency, but um, there's also uh, things that you just learn because they happen to you. And um, we're chatting about business mistakes that we are going to help you be aware of so that you can avoid them. And, you know, PR, it's always changing. And I think that's a good thing. I like an industry that's not dying, but evolving, keeping us on our toes. We can be successful. And um, one of the ways that you can guarantee success is to know the key business mistakes to avoid. And then obviously do the opposite. So that way you can fast track your path and sidestep any obstacles that a lot of PR pros face along the way. So uh, the first mistake I'm gonna share with you to avoid is jumping in and not having your legal ducks in a row. Um, Let's just all say a collective uh, when it comes to contracts and uh, you know, all of the legal hoops and hurdles that come along with running your own business. But it's not fun, but it can cost your business the most if they aren't given the attention they deserve. If your business is not what we say buttoned up, um, this is one of those situations that could come back to really bite you in the butt. So never do business without a contract. It will burn you at some point even if it's business with a friend. If it is not written down, it doesn't exist. It doesn't always guarantee that every single important detail is in the contract. Um, You have to make sure that you're thinking through, this is what a lawyer does, they're thinking through the possibilities the eventualities, what happens in this scenario? What if this happens? So you wanna have legal recourse in your contract that states what happens if your client doesn't pay. If there's a specific amount mentioned in the contract, if there's a breach, that's called liquidated damages. It's you saying, if the breach happens, client pays this dollar amount right? Because there's, they can't make you work, right? They, there's no such thing as like specific performance in a contract like that, which means you're going to have to do the work if there's a breach or whatever. It's usually monetary, right? But of course, there's always legal fees. And ugh, it's just like, if you can avoid a lawsuit or even going down that road whatsoever, please try to get it worked out before you have to threaten legal action. Sometimes, in my opinion, it is better to walk away when you sort of balance the pros and cons because the lawyers are gonna take 
more money probably than you're owed under the contract. Um, sometimes it's worth a demand letter, simple things like that. Um, you know, if it's under a certain amount, you could do small claims court. Anyway, you want to have your contract buttoned up so that you have recourse if a client doesn't pay. And the other part that's extremely important is outlining your scope of work because you may eventually have a client who just keeps adding on work till the cows come home. They're just, you know, oh, well, you know, can you do this? And you're like, okay. Um, they don't understand what is included in the scope. What is it that you actually do? And also what is not in there, which means you don't do that for them. So it is worth making an investment in a contract lawyer that can advise you on the verbiage um, and make sure that you're covered in the types of scenarios that come up for agency owners. We've heard all kinds of things that we have added based on the fact that it happened to someone else or it happened to us. Um, there are um, conduct clauses, like if you have a client, you land them a New York Times interview and they're like, I'm just too busy to answer these questions or they are not responsive and you're leveraging your relationship, you're putting your reputation on the line for them and they um, ghost you, your uh, contact at the New York Times is gonna be pretty mad and probably won't work with you anymore. If you have a conduct clause in there that outlines what's expected of your client, that's a breach and you could terminate the agreement and seek your liquidated damages under the contract. Again, legal action is never fun. It's not inexpensive, but if you wanna ditch a client because they're behaving badly, a conduct clause can help you do that. So it's worth it to have an investment with an attorney to just get your contract locked and loaded and then you can adjust like the scope and you can adjust the timeline and the rate and things like that. We also have templates and tips inside of the agency accelerator. So we have a retainer agreement contract template Many of the members of our community are using it. I always advise take our template as the foundation and then consult your lawyer. Um, it's great to always start with something rather than having them do billable hours to build you something. But we have a really robust contract that has evolved over 17 years. And I'm also a former attorney. So I look at it with that legal eye. Um, I'm not your lawyer, I have to say that. Um, you know, I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm saying get an attorney to uh, give you the you know locked and loaded contract that's gonna protect you in some of these scenarios. We also had something come up where our client hired another PR firm to do exactly what we were doing because they thought like, well, one firm is great. They're doing a great job. Let's hire a second one. It'll be twice as good and we're like, Oh my God. So now I include the fact that we are agency of record for, um, you know, B2C outreach in North America. <laughs> um, and that's worked really well. One simple line, it's always based on like what you've experienced. The scope of work could be an addendum. So it's listed at the end and you can outline, and then you can also say that these other services are going to come with an additional fee so that they know and they sign a contract that says 
this isn't included and if you need this we can do it but it's going to cost this much um, number two is if you are not viewing the media pros the way that you view your clients so it's all about relationships as PR professionals. We know that you wanna nurture these relationships and prioritize them. And you know, this is obviously important when it comes to clients because if you don't have clients, you know, if you don't have clients, do you have a business? You're you know, not able to provide the PR service that you are so great at. But many pros make the mistakes of not treating this, the media relationships with the same um, nurturing and focused attention as they do with their client relationships. So sometime we, sometimes we look at the media and the different kind of gatekeepers as a means to get to what we want, which is features for our clients, uh, you know, write-up stories, inclusion in roundups, um, interviews, things like that, right? We look at those media professionals as means to get what we want. But it's essential to make a good impression, nurture your relationships if you wanna be successful. And they're people too, right? They're not just a tool that you can you know, use or a, an impediment to get features for clients, they're people too. And this is one of the reasons why I highly recommend niching down because if you're going to take the effort to nurture relationships, you wanna know the people and be helpful to them and give them things that are useful, be a valuable resource, be a helper, be someone who's generous and you help them do your job, even their job, even if it's not your client you're recommending. If you see that they're, uh, you know, they put out a query on Twitter for a certain contact, you say, hey, um, I saw your query and this isn't my client, but I have a friend who is the perfect fit. I'm gonna send them over to you. Her name is so-and-so, just look out for her email. Then you're like just a helper, right? And they'll start to see your name. And when you build these relationships and you have a deep expertise in your niche, these are the people that matter. These are the people that are going to be very helpful to you as you're building your results and helping your clients get results. So you want your relationships to be with the right people and you're taking the time to nurture them. Like I'm not telling you go and be besties with every single media contact out there. It's not possible, but spend some time really nurturing the relationships. Don't just look at them as a tool to get to the features you want. They're people, they're putting work out into the world that they believe in. They want to feel like their work matters, like it's resonating. Um, make yourself a helper, make yourself a valuable resource, even if it's not you pitching your clients. That way, when you do pitch your clients, they're more receptive, they're more open. So nurture your media relationships with the same level of focus and importance that you do with client relationships because as your business grows they will be incredibly important to you um, in being successful and getting your clients to stick around which is part of the agency accelerator like path to profitability framework we it's strategy sales service and scale and we teach you 
you know, each pillar, what goes into that. This is all around the service pillar, which is keeping your clients happy in the door, delivering great results, showing those results in a way that really pack a punch, resonate with the clients. And then the scale pillar is taking those results and leveraging them to bring in bigger clients, higher retainers, further niching down. And then when your rates are higher, you can build your dream team and then scale your business. That's like the simple aspect of it. So you're going to treat the media um, and build those relationships the same way you would invest in getting to serve your clients. Your media contacts, your media list is your proprietary information. I see a lot of clients asking for the contacts and I hope they don't know any better. I would think that they would, but when you part ways, if they say, I would like, a, you know, as part of the turnover, transition i need to know who you pitched don't give them that obviously the contacts you can tell them what media outlets if there's anything outstanding um your contacts are your proprietary ip um that you know that means there's considerable time money effort energy that goes into cultivating that never ever ever if clients ask you can let them know what outlets you pitched um maybe the name if they've sent a sample and they know it um yeah that is yours and that's your intellectual property um that's you know not theirs to have that's what makes you valuable in your firm um number three mistake that i see a lot of pr pros make is not investing in themselves as they grow their business not having continued education or a mentor um uh you know and spoiler alert spoiler alert i am not talking about college here um you know you can technically get a pr or a comms degree but that's not really the key to success um, I went to college, I have a comms degree, um, but then I went into law school and I made the leap into PR with really no, really no deep concept or expertise on what it was, um, let alone any formal education or training or experience or even any contacts. So um, I trained myself, I learned as I went along and discovered through trial and error and the industry evolved and I tried to evolve with it. Um, it was really hard to have a mentor back 17 years ago when I started, everything was very close to the vest. Like these are my secrets. So PR professionals are lifelong learners. You have to stay on top of trends in your industry, um, your niches, and you need a mentor because it's the fastest way to level up your know-how, um, your skills, so that you can grow as fast and as streamlined as possible. Um, and that's why I created these programs. I have the Agency Accelerator, so you can learn to run an agency, and then the Pitch Lab. And the cool thing, so I love supporting other PR professionals. I love mentorship, but the community is next level it is amazing they're so supportive so helpful open sharing somebody has some experience and something relevant to say to help you
out of whatever you're challenged with. And of course, inside these programs, there's tons and tons of resources and education and everything. Like it's super, super great. We would love to have you. So mentorship, and I've said this before, um, you know, you want a mentor that has values that align with you and your values, okay? I've had a lot of different mentors and some of them, I maybe was focused on different things, um, you know, learning how to market my own content and that world, that like coachy co coaches, coaching coaches world is very much like, oh, I just made a million dollars in my launch. Like my business is not like that. <laughs> it's very hard to find this audience. If I, I mean, I do this because I absolutely love, love, love it. But having mentors that feel like, like my definition of success is like flexibility in my own schedule and being with my family but also having an impact. It's less about income, it's more about impact. And when you make an impact, the income follows, it just does. And when you do things you love and you're passionate about, same thing, income follows, especially when there's a strategy. But that is what is important to me, is I want to make an impact. We have an impact goal in my business. And um, when I started to realize some other mentors were more focused on pushing for the sale and telling people these are your limiting beliefs. Yeah, we have limiting beliefs, but like not every belief that keeps someone from pulling out a credit card to buy from you is a limiting belief. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes it's not in the budget. Um, and telling someone this is gonna be the thing that makes you afford it, you know, maybe, but I don't want somebody to have to, you know, be stressed out about paying for our programs if they can't afford it. And I moved away from mentors that were all about pushing for the sale. And now I have this community that supports me and what I'm up to because we have value alignment. Like what is your impact in the world? How are you helping people and giving them transformation that gives them a better quality of life helps them be more successful spend more time with their family that's what is important to me um that's what i would say is find a mentor you know if you're into like the flash and the glitz and glamour that's great like there are mentors out there that are going to maybe better align with you but um i'll just tell you like for me it was about finding people that understood that the impact was the most important reason, like our big why, why why we do this. Um, number four that I see PR pros make mistake is not hiring a team or delegating. Entrepreneurs oftentimes stay stuck in the solopreneur phase of business for far too long. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got very early on from a professor of entrepreneurship at USC Business School was less gen equals more money. It was the first piece of advice that allowed me to have quantum growth in my business. Quantum. So I'm not talking like 20% the next year, 50% the next year. It was like 3x hockey stick growth. And I was hovering around 
you know, 95,000 or whatever um, when I just started. And I, I thought that was great, but I couldn't allow myself to feel successful until I replaced my salary that I was making as, a, as an attorney, you know, as like a third or fourth year litigator at a big firm. That's when I was, back then I was like, that's when I know that I'm successful because I've replaced that income. So I felt I had to hold on to every penny that came in. And, you know, when you're in that solopreneur mindset and you stay there for too long, you're in the weeds of your business instead of elevating yourself to the role of a true CEO and working on your business, working on growing the business, working on filling the client pipeline, working on how you're going to scale it. Um, working on strategy for the business itself and for serving the clients, but the day-to-day execution, being in the weeds, that's not a CEO's role. If you're on Canva creating graphic design and if you're in there kind of struggling, trying to create something, you have to think about it like we start in the agency accelerator with what is your income goal um we get you to a place where you understand your hourly rate and what you are worth every hour okay something we walk through like know your numbers so you know how much you have to charge you know how much you can or want to work and you boil it down to an hourly rate when you think about your hourly rate let's just say it's 250 dollars, and you're on canva puttering around doing kind of average graphic design when you could pay a graphic designer i don't know what 75 dollars for an hour of their time and you'll get something that's actually good you know or you're working on a non-income generating activity in your business and it's costing you 250 dollars an hour when you could bring in a team member for 25 an hour, 20 an hour, depending on what it is. If it's something a little more technical, 75 an hour. Think of the money that you're losing because you are doing it all yourself. So the only way towards a truly scalable business is hiring a team you trust and delegating. It could be the day-to-day work. It could be the stuff you hate that's in your drudgery zone, like reporting. I have a team, my team does the reporting and they follow my process and they've made it even better. Um, We report it in a way that's very exciting to the client. It's not just a boring spreadsheet, but packs a punch. And I don't wanna sit and do that. My team's good at it and it costs me less and I'm freed up to serve this community, focus on this side of my business and focus on sales and strategy, bringing in new clients and what's the overall growth strategy of Generation PR. That is how you elevate your role to CEO status. It feels super great to relinquish control and then be like, okay, it's done. And maybe somebody's full effort is equivalent to your 80%, fine. It is definitely nerve wracking, but it will change your business and change your life. And that is how you run a business you love. I don't want to do things in my business that suck, that I don't enjoy. I try not to, I try not to have to do that. I try to just do the things I like. Um, I mention it because 
some people take too long to, to move and hire a team or delegate. Maybe you hire a VA and you train them. If you have somebody that you wanna bring in to teach them your way of doing PR and you're thinking, I don't have time to train them. This is why we have the Pitch Lab. It is to save you and your team hours and hours and hours every single month. So by all means, get your team in there. Uh, if you're gonna have a big agency and you know we have to talk about an enterprise login, but if you're sharing with a VA or one member of your team, by all means, there's a roadmap in there. I will teach them how to do PR from start all the way from building media lists, strategies, um, pitch angles, sending pitches, follow-up, securing results, leveraging those results, reporting to clients, all of it in the pitch lab. I will teach, if you don't know how to do PR, you get in the pitch lab, you will learn how to do PR. So you can train someone and save time. And then once they know what they're up to, you can kind of like put your expertise. So you can save your time, save yourself so much time. And then the monthly execution plans, gold. They are so good. They will give you timely, topical, relevant pitch angles and ideas for long lead and short lead, um, editorial calendars, themes. You can use them to build um, your strategies for clients, use them on sales calls. They are so good. Usually these are the things that you're paying a team member to research and to come up with. It is done for you. So I can't tell you, it's 97 bucks a month and it's gonna save you hours and hours and hours and hours of time. So if you're looking, this is why I'm bringing it up here. If you are looking to grow your team and you wanna train them, get them in the pitch lab and let them go through the training, have them check in with you. And then, you know, when they're ready to start building lists, they'll show you what they did and you can come in and add your, your approach and you'll save yourself so much time. So I'm just saying, if you're looking to scale, it is a great, great resource. Um, number five, um, not charging enough. This is a big mistake that PR pros make, especially in the beginning, is charging too little. They often think if they charge uh, lower prices than their competitors for the same services that they'll win more clients and then they'll be more successful or they think, well, I'm just starting out and I don't wanna to charge too much or that's gonna to be too much and the client is gonna um, not be able to afford it. You know, that, so first of all, if you have any experience in PR, you're starting out way better than I ever, like I didn't have any. So um, if you worked at an agency or in-house somewhere and you have PR experience, you're not starting from scratch. You're not starting from scratch. You have all that experience and expertise and hopefully contacts and know-how. And now, rather than going through a dinosaur model of a big firm and having to pay 4X to just work with you, they get to get direct access to you and your small and mighty team and you still have that experience so you're not brand spanking new um unless you are brand spanking new and that's fine um 
in the agency accelerator, we try to pull out your um, experience and your like what you've done in your life and create a story that really helps you establish your expertise in a niche that you want to work in. Um, so all of your work experience matters, right? But um, if you're charging too little, it's a big mistake. And I have two reasons why. Number one, this is a big one. And please do not ignore this. But clients who only care about getting the best deal are not the right fit for you. They won't be good long-term partners. Your lowest paying clients will be the number one biggest pain in your ass. Promise you, I promise you. If that is the criteria that matters most is bargain hunting and looking for the cheapest deal, you're gonna hate your business, I promise. Um, and you are gonna struggle to maintain pro strong profit margins and you are going to have to work a lot more. So it's not like you're doing less work. You're just doing the same work for less money. So if you have an income goal, you're probably doing twice, taking on twice the amount of clients than you probably have to. So you should have a goal that focuses on value and the value you provide and not lowballing your competitors or pricing yourself low because you're scared that the client's gonna walk away or you think it sounds high. You know, this is one of the things that I think that um, I'm probably best at. And I put all my like ninja sales strategies in the agency accelerator, but there's a whole pillar on sales. And, you know, I can usually get the client to tell me their budget on the call. And you should try to also, sometimes you will be like, super pleasantly surprised and you're like okay um okay well all right you know and it's just you're just like oh, that was pretty pretty helpful to know you know coming in and making assumptions putting your money assumptions or your limitations on you know limiting my i know i said about limiting mindset but putting a limiting mindset on money because it sounds high on a client you know these are businesses and they figured out their budgets their marketing budgets their pr budgets hopefully they have um, sometimes they'll be cagey and they won't tell you and that's fine. And there's also strategies that depend on how much you want the client. For me, I, I don't, and also don't put it on your website. Don't ever put your rate on your website because I'm sorry if I get on the phone with you and you're a total pain in the ass, you're not getting the same rate as somebody who I'm dying to work with and the founder seems like an absolute angel. They're not getting the same rate. <laughs> so. Um, I might price myself out of the pain in the ass client and make it so high that it's like, well, if you can afford that, then I can afford to deal with you because I'll have like three layers of people in between. <laughs> so I never have to like deal with your nonsense. You need to charge what you're worth. Don't be afraid to ask for the moon because a lot of times you'll get what you want. And if you don't, you negotiate. It's always a negotiation. It's never like the first thing. Like if they want to work with you and your rate is beyond their budget, then it becomes a conversation. And in those instances, you can cut some sort of non-essential things that, you know, so that you 
still are making a great rate and you're looking flexible because you're cutting your rate, but you're not just like, okay, I, I wanted eight and you only have four. So, okay, I'll take four. No, you'll say, well, 8,000 part of our service, um, we submit awards for our clients. So I still want to provide you with the information, but you'll be submitting the awards on your behalf. So we'll still notify you, we'll send the links your way and your team can submit. Those are very time consuming, you know, like that's not really gonna like have a major impact, but at least it looks like we're cutting or well normally for that rate we're managing sample sends but what we can do is provide a tracking document and have the request go through your team and that will also save on budget so you're not cutting the course service and you're also not cutting the rate for no compromise you'll always find a way you'll always find a way and you do not want those bargain hunter clients you want to be the premium option and you want them to find a way to get in the door with you that's why you need to niche down and be an expert like i promise you that is the biggest decision the most important decision you will make in your business the most important step in the right direction choosing your niche going all in could be three you know but not i do everything like i had a call they were not happy campers but that's how it works. I'm sorry, but that's the way that it goes. So the goal should be focusing on value, ROI, not lowballing your competitors because you will attract the wrong kind of client. I promise you. If you want the right kind of client, charge your value. Charge based on the value you provide. Um, and then number six is that this is the mistake I see PR professionals make is not having a seamless, stellar onboarding experience for clients. Having it be choppy, having it be slow, not letting them know what to expect and when. Um, you know, so when you land new clients, you have to immediately wow them by your agency. You don't want them to feel confused or overwhelmed or unsure what you're working on or what to expect. You need a strong onboarding process. And that is the key to starting out the relationship healthy and building one that will last over time. You know, you're kicking off on just the right foot. So, you know, they know uh, what you need to onboard. What do you, you know, it's all like a process that's set up and it's just like buttoned up and some of our members even automate their onboarding process. Ours has a process, but it is not totally aut automated yet. I don't love automating a relationship. You know, to me, it's like you wanna have those personal connections and not everything that goes out. Like sometimes a client will just start sending you their assets. And if you have an automated thing that's like, please send us your photos. And they're like, but we already did. It seems like it's not um, personalized. So I don't automate my onboarding process, but we do have a process. We have a process in the agency accelerator that we teach and share and tell you exactly what you need and when and how to run your first meeting and what the agenda should look like and all that good stuff. This is really good. When I talked about the path to profitability, this is me um, showing you exactly what that is. So it's the four pillars, strategy, sales, service, and scale. And I'll tell you exactly what goes into each one. Um, so you have a sense of how your starting at the beginning, even if your agency's been around for 20, 30 years, 
you can start to look at your overall strategy, know your numbers, all of that, and then you know, uh, build it intentionally every step of the way, draw in your ideal clients, build your team, leverage your results, make more money, blah, 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 all the good stuff. So that's what I have for you guys today. So to recap, the six mistakes I see agency owners make and that you should strive to avoid are not getting your legal ducks in a row, so get your contract locked and loaded, to not viewing media pros and gatekeepers to build the relationships with them the same way that you would build relationships with clients. Three is not uh, not investing in education and a mentor. We are here for you if we can teach you whatever. It's all, it's all here. Um, not hiring a team or delegating and staying stuck in that solopreneur phase for far too long. Um, number five is not charging enough, not having value-based pricing. And six is not having a seamless, buttoned up, stellar client onboarding experience. Okay, those are my six uh, six little things to avoid. And that's on your not to-do list, okay? So take care, guys. I appreciate you joining me. Um, thanks for being here. Make the rest of the week awesome. All right, see you soon, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse podcast. If you're ready to start, grow, and scale a profitable agency all on your own terms, you should consider joining the Agency Accelerator. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. To achieve your big, scary goals and truly live the type of lifestyle you've always wanted, it's time to join the Agency Accelerator. Inside this incredible program, you'll learn exactly how to structure your PR agency to fill your pipeline with high paying clients and establish a consistent revenue stream so you can run a business that lights you up and that doesn't run you. This program is built around the exact steps that I took to grow a seven-figure PR agency, Generation PR, and now hundreds of other PR professionals around the world have implemented these techniques and strategies to scale their own agencies too. So this stuff works, you guys. Check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune in next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.